0: Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here is one of our leaders, Sam K. Hart. We are going to get into some good stuff tonight. I'm so glad you guys are here. I'm excited. I'm so excited. Whew. I am excited. I am excited. I was getting stirred up and worse, but I'm losing my voice already, so just bear with me. If it starts to get raspy, it's okay. I'm good. All right, but God is excited about you guys. He's excited about the the fact that you're here. I'm really excited about him. And I can tell you, you're really excited about him because we got a whole room of gate shakers in here. All right. You guys are shaking the gates of hell with your powerful praise to God. The only the one of the biggest ways that we overcome the enemy is by praise, is by power, is by worship. Right. Because it's the it's the it's the device that the enemy used when he was in heaven. So you're telling him that, hey, we don't need you anymore. We can do it on our own because we know who God really is. Right. That's how we overcome When you're going through a hard time And you just say, holy are you, God Holy are you, Lord I know uh, a good friend of mine His truck is breaking down He was throwing money all over the place And he was like, holy, holy is the Lord Jesus is good, Jesus is good You could tell in his face that he was like, oh God, why But he was saying, Jesus is good And the reality of it is In the, in the fact that he was saying, Jesus is good All of a sudden, his truck didn't have problems anymore How does that happen? Almighty God, it's through the praise of our worship. And sometimes things don't get better. I'm not going to sit up here and lie to you. Sometimes things do not get better. Sometimes the pain continues to ensue. Sometimes the hurt continues to get worse. Some of the best prophets were the ones that laid in pain. Because they had a place that they could speak from. Right? They had a place they could speak from. Sometimes when we endure good times all the time, we don't have a place that we can speak from. And I'm not saying that you want to endure hard times so you have a place to speak from. I'm not saying that. Because thank you, Jesus, you haven't gone through some hard times. But I am going to warn you that they're coming. Because any child of God, anyone that is chasing God with everything that they have, is at some point or another going to run into the devil. Because he might not be worried about you. But he's worried about everybody that you're going to affect. All right? All right. I didn't plan to say that, so hallelujah. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> I really do. I really love you guys so much. So good. I was, I was talking to a friend of mine, Tyler, out in the lobby, and I was like, man. I was actually talking to him about something I was not even going to talk about tonight. And I'm like, whew, get me all fired up on the wrong subject. I don't forget what I'm going to talk about. So, but I love you guys so much. And that was one of the biggest things he told me. He says, your love and your passion will reflect and be transferable to the people you're talking to. And I was like, I received that. Because God is good, right? And that's not, I'm not talking about just me, right? The same goes for you guys. It's not about what we can do. It's about what he already did for us. And so it's that reflection, Right? We're going to talk about reflection tonight. We're going to talk about going beyond the veil. Um, Some of us might not know what that means. We might not know what the veil is. When you say veil, you might think, oh, it's the thing that's over the bride's face, so you can't see her face. Well, that's true. That is a veil. Um, There's a lot of different veils in our life that I'm going to talk about. But the main veil I want to get kind of into tonight is the veil that's talked about in the tabernacle And I just want to read a quick passage out of Exodus, chapter 26, verse 33. It says, You shall hang up the veil under the clasps and shall bring in the ark of the testimony there within the veil. And the veil shall serve for you as a partition between the holy place and the holy of holies. Now, when I read this, you're probably thinking, How are you going to talk about that? Right? Most holy place, holy of holies clasps, veil. What are you getting at here? Well, I hope you hang with me because we're going somewhere, okay? I want you to hang with me. But the veil is a partition. It's something that separates something from something else, right? A veil, when it's over a bride's face, separates that face and it's a sign that the covenant hasn't happened yet between that husband and that to be wife. And when that veil is lifted, that means that that is is giving permission for that separation or that partition to be broken. That's what the veil represents and resembles. Now, the veil in the tabernacle was a partition between the people of God and God. Now, you might say, why were the people of God and God separated? That's a good question. And we're going to get there. Before I get that far, I want you to think about this veil, this partition, right? So a veil is, in 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 how it's used in this passage, it's a curtain, right? You have curtains on your windows, so you can't see outside and people can't see in. It's a partition, right? It's taking away the fact that you have that, that two-way, right? It takes away that. So the veil is there, so there's separation between you and something else. Now I want to challenge you tonight, I want you to start to think about, okay, He's talking about this veil in the tabernacle. He's talking about a veil over, or, over a bride's face. But I also want you to think about the veils in your life. What are you putting between yourself and something else? We see veils all over the place, right? We go to the airport. Security is a veil from the outside of the airport from to the inside of the airport. See, so you don't bring no bombs on a plane. There are veils all over the place. The reason that there's some fancy things in the store when you walk out is so you can't steal stuff. It's like a veil, right? There's veils in your life. Maybe you're using your boyfriend or girlfriend to cover up the fact that you don't know how to be alone. Yeah, I'm getting there. Maybe you do everything at night because the things you do at night, you don't want anybody else to see. And in the darkness you can cover it up that's a veil the veil of darkness covers up what you do at night during the day you're going to hang out with your church friends and you're going to go to church and you're going to do your church things because they can see what you're doing but at night whole different crowd cuz I don't want that to be transparent from this side to that side and we start to play these games and we start to walk with these veils over our lives we start to put work in. This was a big one for me. I started to put work into my life because I knew how to work and there's something my dad taught me. And work was a veil for me to cover up my hurts and my pain. And I know men very well, right? So whenever men get broken or sad, we turn it into anger. And a lot of people turn that into work. That's what I do. If I get angry or frustrated, I turn it into work because it's how I know how to deal with it. And that's a veil for me that separates me from my problem. And I set that veil up to separate me from my problem, and now I don't have to deal with my problem because I can't see it. It doesn't say that the problem isn't there, but I can't see it anymore. And these veils are something that we need to deal with. Because when Jesus died on the cross, it said that he tore the veil. The veil was torn. So that means it doesn't really exist anymore. So that means if I'm putting veils in my life, those veils shouldn't be there. If I'm veiling what I do at night from the day, maybe I need to start looking at why am I doing this. I need to start asking the hard questions. What's causing me to to stand behind all these veils? What's causing me to work like a dog so I don't have to think about what happened yesterday? What's causing me to pursue a boyfriend or a girlfriend so I don't have to think about how I felt when I was all alone and all my friends were getting married and having babies and all these other things? Why am I putting all these veils up? What's causing me to do these things? What's causing me to put partition in my life? So I'm putting these partitions in my life and we're covering ourselves up from the reality of what we have to deal with, right? So where do these veils come from? Do we start out this way? Is this something that's always been there? Why am I putting these things in my life? We have to ask ourselves these questions because if we don't understand why they're there, we're never going to be able to walk through them and get past them. All right? Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for the spirit that you have set in this room. I thank you so much for the angels that are camped all around this place. I thank you so much for every person that is here, Lord, that each ear, Father God, that is here needs to hear this word. Lord, I need to hear this word. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would come inside of me and pour out like rivers of living water, God. Use every word of your own and no word of mine, Father Jesus, Lord. Use these lips, Father God, only, and those lips only, Lord, to spread your word, Jesus, Lord. Let nothing that I have to say come out, Lord, but let only your words come out. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would fall so heavily in this place, Lord, that you would You would show revelation to those that need revelation, Lord, that you would heal those that need to be healed, Lord, that you would drive out every devil and demon, Lord, that needs to be driven out. And Father God, Lord, I pray that it wasn't just a veil in the temple, that you tore down but the veils that are set up in this room this morning are coming down in the name of Jesus Christ and we thank you for that and we declare it in Jesus name and they all said amen hallelujah why do I have veils in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning God created man right He created these heavens and these earth and he created all these things so nothing had to be created again. Everything he created had a seed. So that meant that that seed would reproduce another seed. So God is really smart, right? He's like, I only want to have to do this one time. So we think about how we always build tables, right? We build one table and we kick the leg out of it and we're like, oh, I build another table. (laughs) Man. But God was like, I'm going to make tables that can make their own tables, Right? True. I mean, maybe not a table, but you know. Every plant has a seed, it reproduces. You think about us, God created a man one time. He created a man one time. You say, Well, he pulled but he created Eve, so that's two times. But he pulled Eve out of Adam. One time. One time. It's a seed. There was a seed there. It was a seed. He created everything to reproduce itself. He created every, everything to be good. So this is cool, right? So in the beginning, God created all these things, right? And then he says, he didn't have anybody to praise him yet because he didn't create man yet, right? He says, ooh, it was good. That was his praise. He just praised himself. Ooh, it was good. See, you don't need us to praise him. He's like, he saw all he made. He's like, it's good. <laughs> right? But he loves us so much, he's like, I don't want somebody that can love. And somebody that can love me back. And so he creates man in his likeness and his image. And he creates man in the beauty of himself. And man is put in the garden and he is clothed with the glory of God. He's clothed with the glory of God. He's transparent. It's like God is looking in a mirror. He's seeing his creation. And his creation is reflecting his glory back to himself. So he's seeing himself in his creation. In our likeness and our image, I have created them. So he's seeing himself. He's understanding this himself. And then in the garden, he puts him in the garden and he gives him dominion over things because God has dominion over things, right? So he, man is created in his likeness and his image. So now man is going to be dominion over all the earth. He's going to name all the animals. He's going to do all these things because we're creating his likeness and his image. And guess where the table came from? We created it because we have the characteristics of God, because God created us in his likeness and his image. We're, we're creators. I don't want to blow your mind too much, but everything you see around here, all the technology, that, uh Apple, you know, Bill Gates, every thought he had, everything he came up with, God knew before he spoke the earth into existence, because everything that's in man comes from God. There's probably Rolls Royces and Mercedes in heaven. I'm just saying. Just saying. Adam and Eve are put in this garden, and they're in the likeness of the image of God, and they're walking with God. How cool, how awesome would that be? And they're walking with God, and then one day, the serpent comes along and says, Hey, you know that one thing God told you not to do? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> go do it. am like, what? Why would you do that? Because if you do it, then you're going to be just like God. And they're like, oh. Well, why didn't you say so? And so they go, and they eat the apple. And when Eve takes a bite of the apple, she gives Adam, and Adam eats, and so nothing happened until Adam ate, right? Because Adam was the first thing God created. Adam was the true reflection of who God was. But when Adam ate, they're like, ah! "What's that?" They could they could tell, they could see. They're like, "I think you're naked." And she's like, "I think you're naked," and they're like, "Oh man, we gotta cover up." And so they go. This Bible is good. This is only three chapters in. <laughs> but they go, and they cover up with fig leaves. Now. I'm just going to throw this out there. This is the first veil in the Bible. They try to cover up themselves because they see themselves physically. They no longer see themselves spiritually. Because when when sin came in, their spirit died. And all that was left was the flesh. And so now they're like, they're covering themselves up. Because they don't want to see each other, and then they don't want God to see them. And so they cover themselves up with these fig leaves. And man, I'm never going to get this done tonight, but hope you guys want to stay a well. while. So, <laughs> the thing they plucked to cover themselves reflects their identity, guys, it reflects who they are. They took fig leaves from a life source and they plucked it. And covered themselves. And their reflection is a dying reflection of something that is plucked from a life source and now stands alone on itself. And it's fading. When you pull a leaf off of a plant, it's green at first, like it's still alive. But come back two days later. It's dead. The very thing they covered themselves with reflected who they were at that point. They were fading. They were dead. They didn't realize they were dead because they thought they weren't, but they were dead. And they try to cover themselves up with this veil of fig leaves. And God comes along and he he rebukes them and and all that stuff. You guys can read it. I don't want to spend too much time in it, but it's chapter 3, Genesis. And he says, this whole fig leaf thing, that's a no-go. no go and he makes them clothes, and he makes them out of skin. So this is the first reflection of a sacrifice, guys. I hope you guys are ready to stay a while because we got a lot. We're going all the way through to Revelation, so. Just kidding. Just kidding. We're only chapter three, but it's the first sacrifice. The only way you can cover sin is with blood. So he had to kill an animal to get a fur to cover the sin. Veil number two, this is the veil that God put on, right? And so now we see there's a separation, right? There's a separation between God and them because they no longer reflect the glory. And the the place that they were set in, the place of Eden they were set in, they couldn't stay there any longer because there was a tree of life that was planted in that garden. And God said if if they've eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they've become like us. And now if they eat of the tree of life, they will have eternal life. And God was already dealing with Satan at this time and had tossed him out of heaven and he didn't want to have to do that with his own creation. So he removes them from the garden, and they're separated from God. And we see this separation last throughout the Bible. And we get into Moses' area, and God kind of visits here and there from a long ways away, right? So it's a lot different than God walking in the cool of the day of the garden and and walking with each other, God right next to you, talking, laughing. Wow, you look really good today. He's like, yeah, you don't look too bad either. You guys are pretty good. When he made when he made man, he said, It's very good. I'm telling you. He did. And this partition, this separation between God and man lasts. Even into today. Even into today. And you're thinking, what? about this whole thing about jesus i heard we'll get there but it lasts even in today and so in moses day god takes the people of egypt and he delivers them out his his people israelites were in egypt and he delivers them out of egypt and takes them through the red sea up to mount sinai and he gives moses directions that i want you to build a tabernacle because i've been so long away from my people i want to start to dwell around my people he couldn't physically dwell with his people but he wanted to be around his people he wanted to be there and with them right guys he desires to be there and with you and I'm telling you he desires to be in you and this is possible so he gives Moses these instructions on this tabernacle and this is where we came in with Exodus right and we're seeing God tell Moses that you need to create this veil because your court he's creating what they call a temple of meeting The tabernacle had an outer court, which was veiled off by like ten different curtains, right? And it was very big. An outer court, that was where um, the the brazen altar was, and the brazen labor was. That was where sacrifice happened, where blood was poured out for remissions of sins. And then there was the temple of meeting, and there was a holy place and a most holy place, or a holy place and the holy of holies. There's a lot of jibber-jabber that goes on there back and forth. But God resided in the holy of holies man could only go into the most holy place that's all the farther they were able to go and God said you have to put this veil up because you can't come where I am because sin resides in you and I'm not about sin see God can't hang out with what's not a part of him when he created you in his likeness and his image he didn't have any sin in you and so that was why he was able to walk with you in the cool of the day and do all these cool things with you, and pick apples and cool stuff like that, you know? And he's, he's not able to do that anymore. So now there's a partition, and the, as close as you can come to me is this veil. As long as you stay behind this veil, you'll be all right, I'll speak to you, but that's all the farther our relationship can go. This is all the farther I can go with you. And so Moses says, okay, and so he builds this, he builds this tabernacle, this this temple, place a meeting, and they do this. And guys, they still want to do this today. And you might say, okay, why? We're going to get there. It's, it's a long story, but I want you to hang with me, all right? Because this partition creates distance between us and God, that we can only come so far. And that's it. And see, the Israelites, they saw God open the Red Sea, They saw God pour water out of a rock. They saw God pour all these plagues out over Egypt, the people that had put them in bondage. They saw all these powerful things God could do, but they couldn't get close to God. See, God was always ahead of them, leading them. But it didn't matter how hard they walked or how hard they tried. They could walk and walk and walk and never quit walking, but they could never catch the pillar of fire and they could never catch the cloud by day. And this is the real struggle, guys. We try and do this in our lives every day. We try to catch that pillar of fire. We try to catch that cloud. Because we're saying, well, maybe if I do this better, maybe if I do this better, maybe if I worship harder, maybe maybe if I work harder, maybe if I talk to more people about Jesus, maybe I'll catch that cloud. The reality of the matter of fact is, is that you are never going to get anywhere without Jesus Christ. Because he's the one that breaks that partition. He's the one that breaks that veil. He's the one that tears it down. In Leviticus 16.15, we're just talking more about the veil. It says, Then he shall slaughter the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil, and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat, and in front of the mercy seat. Ark of the Covenant was a representation of, of God, right? The Shekinah glory came down and rested on the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant had this thing called the mercy seat on it. It was basically the covering. It was the cover of the Ark of the Covenant. Inside of the Ark of the Covenant were the tablets. It was the Ten Commandments, so it was the law. And there was also a bowl of manna. There's a lot of different things we can talk about that, but what I want to focus on is the tablet. And there was also the Aaron's rod about it, Okay? got more questions to ask me later. But this law is sitting in here, right? And the Shekinah glory is coming down. There's cherubim, and they're on top of this thing, and they got their wings touching, and they're looking down, and God's glory is resting right in between them. And he can see the law. He can see the tablets of stone that he gave to Moses and wrote out. And that is the judgment seat. It says it's the mercy seat, but you can look at it as the judgment seat because God can see the law. See, it's called the mercy seat because it covered the law right it covered the law but the mercy seat was no good if it didn't have any blood on it so you couldn't see it if it had blood on it so God can see the law without any blood on it and it condemns us guys because I can run after that pillar of fire and I can run after that cloud with everything that I got but I'm always going to be condemned because I can do everything I can do physically to not sin but up here my thoughts, my conscience is one of the biggest things we struggle with. This is the thing that's causing depression. This is the thing that's, that's bringing suicide. This is the thing that's telling you you're not good at your job. This is the thing that's telling you that you need a boyfriend or a girlfriend. This is the thing that's telling you that all the world tells you that you need, you're trying to go after. You might say, well, my body's telling me yes, but my mind's telling me no. But the fact of the matter is, is the mind is the one that makes a choice. Okay? Man. Let's go to Hebrews 9, 6 through 10. We've got to start moving. It'll be a while. <clears throat> it says, Now when these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle performing the divine worship. But into the second, only the high priest enters sins of the people committed in." not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit is signifying this, that the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing, which is a symbol for the present time. Accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience. Up here, right? We just talked about that. It's up here since they relate only to food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until a time of reformation. Everything that the priest did, so a priest could go in once a year, beyond the veil, once a year, this partition, one guy, once a year, and he would go in and he would take the blood of the sin offering, and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat, and that would cover the law, so he wouldn't be condemned for a year. But see, the problem was, is the, is the blood ran out of power. It dried up and it, it ran away. And the pure blood of an animal was never enough to continue to cover the sins of the people. Because they came in with a sin offering, with a sacrifice, basically how we come to God and say, God, I'll never do that again. And they put blood on the on mercy seat. And the high priest would do this for all of Israel because the high priest, when he walked around the camp, he was the representation of God to the people by the garments that he wore. But when he went into the holies of holies, he was a representation of the people to God. And he had to get atonement, which is basically a pardon or a release or forgiveness of their sins. And so once a year they would do this, and it was the only time they could come before God without getting smited. And a lightning bolt hit them, or fire come up—I don't know who knows where—and they were scared. The garments actually had bells on them, and it's crazy because they had to take it off and go in. But when they started to put it back on, so all the Israelites were outside waiting for the atonement to happen because they knew once the blood hit the mercy seat. Then they were good to go. But they didn't know the blood hit the mercy seat until they could hear the bells wrangling. Because it could be that the high priest that went in there got struck, dead. And then what, right? So it's a pretty like fearful type thing. It's a hard thing. And this goes on for years and years and years and they're making this atonement back and forth and back and forth. But let's, let's, get, let's get beyond that a little bit. Hebrews 9, 11 through 15. If you guys want to learn more about this, read Hebrews 9. Okay. It says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifers, sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. It's a lot, right? Jesus is a high priest. We just talked about the high priest. The high priest went in once a year. Jesus is a high priest. This is God's plan from the beginning. See, God had a plan from the beginning. We go back to what we just we started talking about. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But before He said, "Let there be light," He had a plan to send Jesus, right? Now, when Jesus comes, He says in Philippians, He says that equality with God wasn't something that man could grasp, and so therefore. He stepped down off of his throne. He took off his glory robes. He stepped down in through the womb of a woman, wrapped himself in flesh, became a bond slave for you and me and walked out 30 years of his life doing the same things we do, feeling the same things we feel being tempted the same way as we're tempted. And what I want to tell you is that he came in this world under a veil because we couldn't grasp the equality with God. The Israelites, when they came to Mount Sinai and God wanted to talk to them that day, he started speaking in the midst of the cloud of fire and power and they were afraid, and they said, Moses, you talk to him. We don't want We don't want any part of this. He's too big for us. He's scaring me. We don't want to come close to you. You guys, this is where we're at today. This is where we're at. We're okay to come into church one hour a day and spread the rest of our week doing what we want to do. We're afraid of God. We're okay with coming in here, singing a few worship songs, listening to a great message and being like, that was awesome. And then walking out and doing the same things we've always done. We're okay with coming in to the outer court. We're okay with stepping into the holy place, but tell us about the holies of holies and experiencing the power of God. No, thanks. I don't want to do that because if I experience the power of God, that's going to require something of me. That's going to require a change in me. You ever wonder why when you come into church, you feel the same way when you're leaving? It's because you didn't come into the Holy of Holies. It's because you didn't experience God. But see, God came and he did everything he was going to do, right? He came he sent his son. He sent his son Jesus. And Jesus died on the cross to redeem us from our sins. But see, we still have to walk through the veil. Just because the veil is torn doesn't mean that we were set on the other side of the veil. Because sin can't reside with God. The only way through the veil is through Jesus. So we come in here and we do our thing. And we hide behind the veil of the night. We hide behind the veil of our homework. We hide behind the veil of our, our boyfriend or our girlfriend. And we do our thing and we say, "Ah." Oh. Yeah, I really love God, but I just, I'm just i not seeing any breakthrough in my life. Guys, it's not about breakthrough. It's about what Jesus did on the cross. That's breakthrough. Why is that breakthrough? That's because there's no partition between me and God anymore. That means I can connect with him. I can touch him. I can feel him. I can talk to him. I can reflect the glory that he's showing me. It's huge. People say to me all the time, I love your worship. I love how you do this. I love that. That's not me. I'm in the Holy of Holies. And I don't like coming out. I'm going to tell you right now, I come out. I don't like it. I don't like it. So when I come out, I'm pretty quick to turn around and go right back in. Because I know where freedom is. Freedom is in Christ. Freedom is in the blood. He's what tears down the partitions. We walk in to experience God, but we're only willing to go so far. I don't want to sing because I'm afraid of what people will think. This guy. My wife is back there going... (laughs) I don't want to lift my hands because it feels weird. This guy. I can tell you guys, when I was young, this is how I started out in church. I started out in church saying, yeah, I sing in my head because I can connect with God better that way. And, you know, I feel, I feel God in my head. And I would do that. And then one day, I was like, you know how the beat gets you? That? And you're like, I can't keep a beat, so don't pay attention. <laughs> but I started singing out loud a little bit and I was like, oh, I kind of like this this is kind of nice I started to get a little bit more, right and so I started to sing out loud a little bit more and I was like, okay, I'll sing out loud because this is what was reflected to me is men don't sing men are hard they don't cry and we're big and we're really and, you know, we're supposed to reflect this image because that's what was reflected to me so that was my identity, you know? I was trying to reflect what my dad wanted. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'll sing because I'm connecting with God. But that's it, God. Not raising my hands. This is my conversation. You've got to be real God sometimes, right? And so, I said, God, I'm not raising my hands. I'm like, okay. Don't raise your hands. Then. It's a choice. He's not going to make you do anything. It's a choice. Then one day, I started to have an experience with God where he was talking with me. And I was like, okay, I'll give you a little bit, God. And so I, you know, I think, I think Michaela, Michaela Malik calls this the TV holder. There's a lot of names, I guess, out there. you have to talk to her about that. But I got there. I was like, okay, God, this is it. You know, put my hands up. Maybe, maybe, maybe somebody wants to hold hands with me, and they just don't know it. So I thought, well, I'll get a... <laughs> But you know, this is where we're at, right? This is how we feel, right? We're being real, right? And then it went a little bit farther. I was like, okay, God, I don't know what this one's called, but maybe somebody can help me out. But I was like this, half mast. All right, half mast. <laughs> Pastor's got them all down. (laughs) I love that guy. So I got there. I got to the shoulder height, you know. Guys, (laughs) there's freedom in all that. But there's also bondage. Because let me tell you what. When I went from half-mast to full-mast... That's when there wasn't bondage anymore. What do you do when somebody pulls a gun up and points it at you? What is that a sign of? Surrender. I give all control of my body unto you. I give you me. I'm surrendering to you. If I'm saying, God, I'm only coming this far, he's like, well, you're in bondage. You might be experiencing a little bit of freedom, but you're still under your own control. Now, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that you got to be, you know, your arms get tired. Don't get me wrong. You can put them down. But the thing I'm trying to say is, is we make these veils and we say, God, I'm coming here and no farther. And there used to be a veil. And God said, you're coming here and no farther. I got to I got to I got to hit this other point. If I blow this whole thing up. 2 <laughs> Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 through 18. Says but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's is liberty. That means freedom. Freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord the Spirit. So when I turn to Jesus, it's like I walk right back into the Garden of Eden. Because check it out. The reason I told you everything I told you before is to tell you this. That Jesus was a high priest. And he went. He went into the tabernacle of the Lord. Not the tabernacle that Moses built, but the tabernacle of the heavens. And he walked into the tabernacle of the Lord. And he walked through the veil. And he put down his own blood. His pure blood. The blood that never sinned. The blood that never did anything wrong. The blood that was not defiled. He put it down. And when that blood hit the mercy seat. Your sins were forgiven forever. Because his blood does not run out of power. It's not the blood of an animal. It does not dry up. It is a river of living water. A river with a spring will not dry up. That is Jesus. He is your high priest. He is the one that died for you. And when he died, the earth shook and the sun hid its face. And then it says the veil, the partition that you've been putting up in your lives, the partition that was in the tabernacle was torn from top to bottom. Because that meant that no man could tear the veil. because They were not high enough to reach us 40 feet tall. Top to the bottom. Here's the deal, guys. We come in the church, we come in to the outer court, and we come into the most holy or the holy place. And we say, I'm not going any farther. And what you're doing is what you're nullifying what Jesus did on the cross. Because you're saying there's a veil here. Now, Jesus took it away, but you're putting it back up. If you really believe what Jesus did, you're going to step into his glory. You're going to step into his praise. You're going to step into who he is. Because he reflects, not partition. It's called reconciliation, reconnection, coming back together with God. Everything that we were in the Garden of Eden is what Jesus did for us. He connected us back to him. There is power in that. There is freedom in that. A murderer receives Jesus Christ in a jail cell. You can still look at him and say he's a murderer. You can still look at him and say you probably still have the thoughts. But the reason that there's freedom in Jesus Christ is because he makes us new. That means old things... Pass away everything that he once was is now dead I can tell him he's a murderer all day long but if he has a reality of who Jesus is and he's in the holy of holies and not just walking into the outer court he knows that he is a a child of God he's no longer walking as a murderer he's no longer walking as what he used to be but those old things have passed away they've died they're dead people can tell me who I am all day long they can tell me I'm good or bad at something all day long, and it's gonna happen. It's not gonna go away. But in the holy of holies, beyond the veil, your son, your daughter, live there. Live there, guys. Live. There. I'm so. I'm tired tired of seeing people come I'm tired of seeing people come and connect with God a little bit on that side of the veil, on the outer side of the veil understand why God's really because his glory, the veil is torn right, his glory goes beyond where the veil was and it will draw you in if you're willing to go But people come in and they experience a little bit and they get afraid, and they say if I do this thing, it's going to require change it means if I go into the Holy of Holies, the only way I can go into the Holy of Holies is if I have that desire to change. Don't get me wrong, you don't have to change right on the spot, but you better have a desire to change or you won't be in there long. Jesus took down the partition so that we could go in. His blood does not, it doesn't run out of power, guys. It does not run out of power. I want to read Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, our confession of faith, our confession in Jesus Christ. If the world is getting you down, if you feel like you're not in the holy place, confess who Jesus Christ is. And he'll bring you right back in. Because whew, it's powerful stuff, guys. Who he is, When you receive him, that's who you are. Substitution. He took your identity and you now have become him. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. It's the only way that we can go beyond the faith. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin therefore let us draw near with a confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need there it is guys grace and mercy and love in time of need and it does not run out there is no glass that, oh I used a little bit oh I use a little bit more oh it's getting lower oh man no it doesn't run out ever going beyond the veil is a choice that you have to choose God's not gonna do it for you God's not gonna say come in to the outer court and I'll push you into the holy of holies you might have some friends to try but you'll find out that even trying yourself to push people into the holy of holies doesn't work where are you at tonight? What kind of veils are you putting up? What kind of partitions are you seeing in your life? What are you hiding behind? What's drawing you away from God? What are you not letting God tear down? Every veil is torn, but only when you give it to Jesus. I'm going to challenge you guys, and I want you to release your veils tonight. And I want you to lay them down. Whether you speak them out or whether you just do the head thing, I'm okay either way. Sometimes we're going to start slow. But we need to take some veils down because we need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough. Maybe you've never heard this idea of a veil, maybe you've never heard about Jesus Christ, maybe you're a little bit confused. But I'm sure that there's probably somewhere where you can relate with something in your life that's causing you to be distant from God or even the people around you. And I can tell you right now that your reconnection with God is dependent on your relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus died for your sins, so he took away that partition of sin. But see, when we don't believe in who Jesus is, that partition remains because it's like he never came at all if we don't believe in him. So you might be feeling tonight a little pull on your heart. You might be feeling tonight that you need to get rid of some veils. You might be feeling tonight that, man, I've been coming to church. I've been going to all these super awesome events. And I'm just, God, I'm just not getting a breakthrough. Maybe tonight's the night that you step out of the holy place and into the holy of holies. And you say, God, I surrender. I'm giving you my whole body. I'm giving you control. I'm giving you everything that I have. And you just let go. Guys, something happens when you let go. Because you got to die to yourself. you got to die to yourself. Stand up. I'm going to challenge you guys tonight. Sometimes the best reaction to a challenge is to do something. Maybe you step to the seat next to you and you say, well, I'm not going to stand in front of the one I was sitting in. Maybe you get out of the row you're in. We got some extra room here today. Maybe you get out and you start talking to God. Maybe you get down on the altar. Maybe you pray a prayer that you haven't prayed in a really long time. Maybe you pray to God for the first time tonight. But I'm going to challenge you, do something. Do something. Something for God, not for yourself. We've got to be done with this selfish mentality. God will never move in a selfish world. But if I give up my own desires and wants, he can come in and give me his. Hallelujah. Close your eyes. I just want to ask tonight, if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never prayed a prayer, if you've never thought about Jesus as someone that could save you, someone that died for your sins, if, if this is a whole new idea for you, I just want to ask tonight if this is something that you want to start. Because if it is something that you want to start, I want you to repeat a prayer that I'm going to say, And all it is is a prayer of admission that Jesus came and died on the cross and that I accept what he did to cover my sins. And that I believe in the resurrection that I can become a new person in him, not of myself. If that's you tonight, I want you to repeat after me. And we can all repeat, that'd be great want Dear Heavenly Father, I realize that you're my Savior. And I receive you tonight. And I ask that you would come into my body and make me new. And I believe that through your resurrection and your blood that I am a new creation. thank you Lord in Jesus name they all said amen if you're here tonight and you need to bust down some veils I want you to give everything you got I want you to let it go whether you just worship God whether you just praise God whether you get it out on your knees on the altar whatever you want to do break those veils we're going to enter into a time of worship and this is a time where you can come before God and be real because here's the thing: enter into the holy of holies. It doesn't matter what happens in the holy place anymore. Don't worry about the people behind you. Don't worry about the people beside you. You get in, and I can tell you, when you get in, all of a sudden the people next to you get in. Hallelujah! Let's worship God. Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.